from zero to money. We unveil the trials and successes SaaS business founders have faced when starting their own businesses. Stay tuned to learn from the ideas that can inspire and change you. Enjoyed the show? Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss our new episodes. If you're interested in learning more about Zar's managed technology services, come visit us at zar.net. That's zsah.net. Welcome to the Jar SaaS Leadership Podcast, a show where we explore with SaaS leaders what they do to stay on top of their game and share top tips for other SaaS entrepreneurs. My name is David McQueen, and I am the host of this podcast. Our guest today is James Gill, who is the CEO of GoSquid. GoSquid is the all-in-one growth platform for SaaS businesses, and GoSquid helps you connect with your customers in a simple and effective way using real-time data and smart automation tools from understanding the effectiveness of your digital marketing to converting new users. GoSquid helps you to get closer to your customers at every stage of their life cycle. So obviously as, as, as entrepreneurs and, you know, starting out the, in any given successful business, a lot of people either have thoughts or things that were holding us mm-hmm. back or maybe just slightly restraining us from taking the leap. For you, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming a successful business person? Yeah, so for those not aware of of my background, uh, like GoSquared as a company has actually been running a very long time. I was, uh, I actually started this business when I was at school with two of my best friends, like not, not college, not like university, but school, as in we were doing like, uh, French GCSEs and stuff like that. We were, we were kids. Um, and I think, yeah, I always wanted to run a business, uh, but, but I think it always seemed very scary, uh, especially back then. It, it felt like not every, you know, I think these days a lot of people, um, I think there's a huge, like there's been this huge, huge movement of entrepreneurialism and people wanting to start businesses. And it's been incredibly exciting. But I think when we, when we started out, like that was not so much the case and uh, especially for kids. <laughs> and, and I think, it always just seemed like you had to kind of get permission to start a business or like there's some certificate that someone hands you from somewhere up high that says you're now able to start a business. And uh, I think in reality, like uh, getting over that, that hurdle, that it was purely a mental barrier of like you can, anyone can create a website Um Anyone can mess about and put something up on the internet um, and it can be seen by one person or it can be seen by a million people. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, that was, I don't know, just getting over that, that fear or, or, uh, or, or feeling that you needed to ask, ask for permission. Like, I think that was a big, a big step for, for me personally. Um, I think that, that kind of approach uh, mm ask for forgiveness rather than permission <laughs> sort of it being something that's stuck true uh to me uh ever since yeah 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 no i love that i love that okay so um so having obviously been in that space where you um you you've gotten past that um that stage and you're getting things going what were the what's the best business advice that you think you've received as a result of this um you know whether it's around creating money time saving whatever it is what's the best business advice you've received 
the vast majority of businesses take a very long time to build and don't necessarily reach billion dollar outcomes. But that's not that's not to say that all of those businesses are failures. Um, and I, I think I think one of the things I try and keep reminding myself of is that, like, you know, this this journey can take a long time. But does that matter if you're if you're doing something you really love and enjoy? Uh, and I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff is like, you know, learn to rest rather than to quit <laughs> and uh, kind of, yeah, like just continuing to like push on and and uh, and keep going, keep moving. You know, if you stop moving, then that's that's <laughs> that's what causes you to stop running a business or or, or give up. Um, I think, yeah, so much in business, just you just figure out a way to keep going and keep moving and keep iterating, keep learning. And that makes you stronger and stronger by the day. I love that. So obviously around business advice, obviously that's really good. But what would, obviously we're talking about technology on here as well. What was the best technology advice that you've actually received? Yeah, I actually, I spoke to my co-founders. So my two co-founders, Jeff and JT, are both, um, I'm the least technical of the three of us. Like they're, they're the, uh, the, I was about to say wind kids. That makes me sound like uh, I've retired and <laughs> these kids these days. But uh, yeah, Jeff and JT are phenomenal engineers. And um, I asked them for, you know, what they felt the best technical advice we've received this company is. And um, they said, turn it off and on again, uh, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> joking aside is actually some of the best um, advice I think uh, anyone could give on any technical issue. Turning things off and on again always does the trick. I've been having terrible internet issues lately. It usually does the job. I don't want to jinx this podcast though and drop out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in, in all seriousness, the, the others, I'm going to give you a second one as well, David. But um, uh, the other one, and I think I first heard this via like a, it may well have been like an Apple keynote from Steve Jobs a while back, but it, there's a hockey player called, I think, I have, okay, this is testing my knowledge of like, sports and things but i believe there's a hockey player called wayne gretzky gretzky yes. uh, who is extremely uh yeah legendary um but he had a quote of like skate to where the the puck is going not where it is yeah. um and i i think that's really stuck with me as well as like when trying to pick the technologies um having a really good feel for those kind of trend lines of what's in uh, what technology is in its ascendancy um yes. And I think for us, you know, we've, we've obviously been going quite a long time, but we we sort of jumped on various technologies quite arguably like too early. <laughs> but um, like we jumped on Amazon Web Services, for instance, when they had like only like S3 and EC2 and uh, only a couple of um, services they offered. And it was still considered extremely like risky uh, by many people. Uh, but it just seemed like sort of like surely this is the way all uh you know, hosting will be in the future, and I think that proved right. We also jumped on uh, Node.js, uh, which uh, for writing uh, server-side code, um, because we were already very good at writing JavaScript code for the front end, and uh, Node.js also proved to be a technology that sort of was extremely early days, and again, probably too early to jump on when we jumped on it originally, but uh, but has proven out to be a, a really popular web technology and um, is still what we use for most of our tech today and uh and so yeah it's sort of like i think it, it takes quite a bit of like reading the industry and reading like the way things are going and sort of looking at yeah like what technologies are sort of 
on their way up and and what are what are not and try and avoid the ones that are not <laughs> yeah. no i love that i love that visionary that's what i call it visionary you're able to <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, a simpler way of putting it i'd say David. yeah much, <laughs> much easier to understand <laughs> So, so um, what I do now, this, this, this tends to be the most challenging one for quite a lot of guests. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you two questions, uh, but they're sure. going to be kind of more negative. So this one is going to be, tell us about, if you can, what you think was one of the worst, or it doesn't have to be a worst, but a bad business decision that you made for your business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, God, <laughs> there's a lot of bad decisions I've made over the years. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I think, um, yeah, we could take a whole day on that, but we don't have enough. That would be a bad podcast show. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think just summarizing some of the bad calls that I, I think I personally felt responsible for in the past running the company has just been around primarily around um, hiring. And I think in the early days, you know, when we were kids um, trying to build this business, um, we really we knew how to, like, build a uh, you know, a web product, like a, a, a software. We knew how to write software. We knew how to write code. We knew how to design software. But what we yeah. didn't know was how to build a team. Um, and, you know, where go squares out today, I would, we're not like a <laughs> thousand person organization. We're still a relatively small team. But um, I think looking back, it's like the some of the biggest challenges we've had have been sort of bringing people onto the team that, um we're not right for whatever reason. And um, I think it's just unlike with code where you can easily chop and change things and code, even at the worst of times, is usually quite predictable. <laughs> People are, are a much, a much different thing to work with. And, um, you know, we have amazing people on the team. I love our team. Uh, but I think over time, uh, just a lot of, like learning from making bad calls has taught me that you never want to rush making a hiring decision um, and being incredibly thorough with your hiring process is, is critical to building a good team um, yes. and, and that making the wrong hire for whatever reason can be incredibly damaging for both the company and that individual. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the main things there are just trying to make sure you've got a really robust hiring process i think one of the most influential books i've read on that has been a book called like who i think it's called who as in who um a really thorough sort of process for how to think about a role you're looking for and what's important about it how to interview and source candidates um and run that whole process and try and make it as objective as possible and and then aside from that yeah just making sure that when those people are on the team you're always keeping close to them, like having regular one-on-ones, making sure they're happy, making sure they know what's expected of them and, and trying to just make sure that, yeah, that whole process is as, as tight as possible. Because I think as I've, as I've grown up and as the company's grown up, it's like realizing that actually it's no longer that important that I know how to design some pixels in the interface. Really what is important is that I know how to build, manage, run a great team of people and, uh, that in itself is a huge area that I just I knew nothing about when we started, and I've learned through making a lot of like a lot of decisions over time, and a lot of them have been right, a lot of them have been wrong, and uh, and yeah, that's that would be my summary there. I think, yeah, fantastic, fantastic, and I think the 
there, I was having a conversation with somebody last week, actually, and I said, if if only um, in the startup space, as much emphasis was placed on hiring as it is in raising funding, it'd be very interesting to see how teams actually um, shape out. So this, it's quite it's good to learn that yeah. lesson. So I guess flipping that out, yeah, yeah. Thing, what was the what was the worst decision you made or you think you made around technology? We are very fortunate that we have a very um, technically minded team with with some really smart engineers and uh, and 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 I think there's sometimes a real temptation to want to build everything yourself um, to look at what's out there and to think well can't be that hard to build that we we can probably do a better job than that it will only take us a day or two and I think. That sometimes is the case, but by default, generally, I think it's a bad idea because everything you build needs to be maintained. And yeah. if if you're trying to maintain internal tooling, if you're trying to maintain database patches and software updates and server drivers and stuff, you're not spending that valuable engineering effort on building features and delivering value for customers and so yeah generally it's it's like if we can get something off the shelf uh even if it costs you know something per month um that's generally a better case uh, for us to be in because it's something we don't have to worry about like there's another team a business dedicated to running that thing that we don't have to worry about and uh that's usually just the fastest way to to make progress you know we we don't have all the time in the world to spend building internal tooling like maybe someday you get big enough where you you can put some people on some specific things that are really critically important to the overall business that you rely on internally but when you're small like you just you don't have that luxury and yeah. and so yeah it's just that realization that if you're spending 2 days building something some sort of internal tooling you're you're spending that on that internal tooling rather than something that might be helping customers more and um sometimes those calls are different difficult to make i think because uh you know sometimes that internal tooling isn't available out there or you might have to make compromises by buying something um but it's just yeah remembering that it's not just building that thing today it's the ongoing maintenance of that thing for years to come and uh yeah that so that's i i'd say that's probably one of the biggest uh lessons so yeah fabulous fabulous well, tell us something that's working for you right now for the company um specifically around sales and marketing for a SaaS business it's like it's all about keeping customers keeping customers paying you keeping customers happy with you keeping customers so happy they tell their friends hopefully and I think that relies on you really understanding them. So giving them a call and just, I guess you call it customer discovery or, or whatever. But uh, I think that's something we're really trying to make sure we don't let slip as we're all remote and uh, trying to get Zoom calls booked in wherever possible and mm-hmm. and get a half an hour from our customers wherever possible to, to hear more from them. Um, yeah, I love, that. I love that. It's actually quite refreshing because... There are a lot of people who will be, oh, we've got our sales funnel and we've got our ads here and what have you. And I love the simplicity of being able to go, what really works for us? Yeah, Again, as you said, you can 
highlight all the hacks and what have you, but really what works for you is just being in touch with that customer. I love that. And that's actually, it's actually quite yeah. to hear that. Quite <laughs> okay. So, uh, down to our last few questions. Um, and the first of this is what, if you were to tell us what the top three metrics that you use to keep on the pulse of the company to make sure that you, uh, as a leader, your company is heading in the right direction, what would those top three metrics be? I'm not going to lie. Like one of the key things for us is is the simple SaaS like biblical metric of monthly recurring revenue, uh, yeah. which is pretty pretty obvious. But for us, you know, we we have this goal of building a sustainable SaaS business, a profitable SaaS business, and and we always want to make sure our monthly recurring re- revenue is growing faster than our monthly recurring costs, um, and so. Yeah, we, we're always trying to make sure we keep that in mind. And that's always keeps us very grounded, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, uh, we also, uh, we also ask, um, customers this simple question, um, after it's kind of relates actually to the last point we were talking about. Uh, we asked the customers this question of, um, uh, you may have come across it before, but the, the question of how disappointed would you be if, if Go Squared went away? Uh, tomorrow, if you could stop, if you had to stop using GoSquared, basically, um, and we ask, and it's basically a multiple choice of: would you be very disappointed? Would you be somewhat disappointed? Or would you basically not care? And um, we always want to try and make sure as many people as possible are saying they'd be very disappointed if we went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's a again, it's kind of it's not the most sort of necessary scientific thing, but we're always trying to use that to gauge like how critical we are to our customers and that. Uh, we're building something that's differentiated and unique for them uh, that, that, you know, that they, they desperately need us in their lives because that again is a good way of inferring, <laughs> are we building the right thing for them? Are we continuing to keep them happy? Are we keeping our customer base focused? Are we, um, are we, you know, in a place where we can ensure they're likely to be with us in a year's time too. Uh, and, and I think that's been a key, very key one. And, relatively simple one that the whole team understands um and then finally i guess uh i guess we also have one probably not too dissimilar but we we do also keep track of net promoter score the classic one to ten of uh uh, how likely would you be to recommend this to a friend or colleague um and that's again quite similar but it's uh you know all about making sure we are making customers happy successful making sure um they love us and and importantly that one it's not just about the number it's like the the incredibly valuable thing there is the follow-on feedback we get like you scored us a nine or a ten great okay like that's valuable for you know taking on to could we get this customer to do a case study could we put the a quote from them on our marketing site to drive more business but then it's following up with the what would you do if what would you do to what do we need to do to make you a nine or a ten if you're a seven or eight? And then we're clearly doing something wrong or something's going wrong here if you're like zero to uh to six. Um and and yeah, it's it's trying to trying to just use that that feedback and have again have conversations there to to really learn from it rather than just looking at a pretty dashboard all day and being proud of your numbers. <laughs> Love that. So tell us where you think the industry is going to go in the future. Um, well, I, I, I think for us in, in the world of software as a service, 
Um, I think I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be in in the world of of SaaS because there's this tremendous shift to it almost becoming the default, and I think that's going to become increasingly the case where uh, you know where you look at software, you look at um, services, and the, the expectation almost is that you you subscribe to these things and that's kind of already been playing out when you look at how do we consume movies how do we consume music how do we consume uh news how do we consume all of these things you know even you know the average newspaper has become a SaaS business in a in a way because you subscribe to the new york times you hit a paywall you have a trial you are a retained customer um so I, I think there's an incredibly exciting future ahead for, for SaaS where um, it or like a broadening of SaaS in a way. And that like most business, um, whether it's most, many, many, many more businesses will can, will exist over the, over the coming five years that are subscription based uh, models that um, you pay to engage with. And, and yeah, you see that from like the big, the big names, um, you know, like Apple rolling out fitness subscription services. You look at the success of things like Peloton. Who would be, who would have thought a few years ago you're buying an exercise bike and you have an ongoing subscription to keep it fit? Um, but then you even look at like individuals and the 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 te- the trend now of not building a personal blog but building a, a newsletter and mm-hmm. having exclusive payment for. Uh, you know content that's exclusive to your your paid audience and i i think that that's incredibly exciting uh i think it's exciting for us as a business because we we service a lot of SaaS. you know our focus is on helping SaaS businesses grow but i think it's exciting at all ends of the industry because there's there's individuals that can build incredibly can build entirely different lifestyles for themselves by doing their own thing um and then I think there's also this huge incentive for, for businesses across that spectrum to be building better products, to be delivering better service because they want to retain you. They want to keep you as a customer. Um, and I, I think that's just that's just really exciting because I think, you know, that focus on retention is a really is generally a really good thing, I think, for consumers. Um, and it drives everyone to to build better products and to de- deliver better service. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that's quite crystal clear future enough for you, David, but it's, it's perhaps Absolutely. all I can do in a couple of minutes. <laughs> do you want the lottery numbers as well, by the way, for tomorrow? Because I've got them here. You <laughs> need a little bit of machine for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, your top three tips. You've been able to build this company over, what, the last 14, 15 years? So I, yeah. I'd love to know what your top three tips are for building a successful company thus far. Yeah, um, for sure. And I, I will caveat these because, you know, I've, I don't feel like I'm a success by any means. Yeah, I feel like everyone's a work in progress. And yeah. uh, but yeah. I don't know, some of the some of the things that I think have helped helped me over the years or helped us over the years is Go Squared. Um, I think probably the first one I, I would start with would be to really, I don't know, I, I fear these might be too cliched, but no, really good. obsessing over your, over your customers um, yeah. is, is critical. And, and I say that because it's, it, it's, ironically, it's easy to say, 
But in mm. practice, it really takes discipline to really go out of your way to listen to customers, to listen to them, to absorb it, to digest it, to process it, and then to act on it is is really is really really hard when you've got yeah. so many other voices of investors, competition, of internal team thoughts, all of this stuff. Like to really put that into practice is 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 I think uh, has been tremendously valuable for us. Um, I don't think I think that the two other points I I would say on this that have been key for me at the front of mind at the moment are really team related. And, um, you know, in terms of building a business, not just about building software, it's about building a team. It's about bringing great people together. I think the first one would be um, really so many of the issues or challenges we've had over, over time have been around communication and around responsibilities uh, on the team. And I think, being incredibly crystal clear around ownership and responsibility is is one of the key things that has has really helped us having giving people the chance to own things and making it really clear that they're the ones owning those things it simplifies so much when everyone knows who is responsible for certain things in the, in the business and that's not that's not to attribute blame when things go wrong it's to make sure that that people see things through to truly and and also gives people the opportunity to become like CEOs of their own parts of the business. Um, yes. And I think, yeah, being really, really clear with ownership and responsibility. And then the final one, I think, which is critical, especially in the early stages of, of a business is um, making sure you hire for proactiveness. And some people call it like, high agency of like you really really want to bring people on that they don't need everything explained to them they don't need they don't wait to be told they go and do and sometimes they get it wrong and 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 that's fine like you get things wrong you learn you fall over you pick yourself up but people that can go off and just get stuff done and nicely takes us right back to the start actually the whole just do it um like people that just get stuff done like it's a a step change in terms of how quickly your business and your team can operate uh because people don't need to wait on everything else things just push forward and uh i think that's a tremendously valuable attribute that is sometimes hard to assess on a cv like hiring for that is 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 has been incredibly valuable and um yeah uh, that's been hugely valuable for the team uh, of Fingo Squad. Fantastic thank you well I really appreciate that um and so I'm just going to repeat back those last three so the customer obsession and just being able to really listen to individuals being able to build that team is really important and again as you said in building that team you hire for proactiveness you want individuals who are going to take the 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 mountain and run with it well, that's been brilliant, James. I really, really have appreciated it. It's been um, good to hear your insight on, on, on developing the business. And I'm really, really appreciative that you were able to take the time out to share it to our listeners. Um, so thanks again. Uh, really appreciate you and, and take care. Thanks very much, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs>